Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Thank you for being here. Today, staff evangelist James Collins will challenge us from God's Word, and Greg Patton will be living in today's world. The latest edition of our monthly newsletter, The Prophetic Observer, is now available. Each month, The Prophetic Observer has timely articles about prophecy in light of today's events. An excellent outreach tool, many people give copies of The Prophetic Observer to friends and family so they can stay informed too. Subscribe to The Prophetic Observer today by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. The prophet Haggai preached to a people that were given a specific mission by God. Instead, they chose to do nothing. James Collins gives us more details in today's teaching called The Do-Nothing Club. Larry Walters was a truck driver, but his lifelong dream was to fly. When Larry graduated from high school, he joined the Air Force hoping to become a pilot, but his poor eyesight disqualified him. When he left the military, he would sit in his lawn chair in his backyard and dream about flying an airplane. Since Larry lived near an airport, he would sit in his lawn chair and watch the planes fly overhead and just daydream all day long about flying. Then one day, Larry got an idea. He went down to the Army-Navy surplus store and he purchased a tank of helium and 45 heavy-duty weather balloons. He then went home and he strapped the balloons to his lawn chair. He anchored the chair to the bumper of his Jeep. Then he inflated the balloons with helium. Next, he packed some sandwiches and drinks, and he loaded a BB gun. He figured he would shoot out a few of the balloons when it was time for him to return to the earth. Larry sat down in his lawn chair, and on July the 2nd, 1982, he cut the anchoring cord. He thought that he would slowly float up for a very short flight, but things didn't work out that way. When Larry cut the cord, he shot up as if he was fired out of a cannon, and he didn't go up a couple of hundred feet. He went up and leveled off at 11,000 feet. At that height, he couldn't deflate the balloons or he would unbalance the load and fall. So he just stayed up there. He floated around for about 14 hours. He was completely and totally at a loss at how to get down. Eventually, Larry drifted into the approach corridor for the Los Angeles International Airport. A Pan Am pilot radioed the tower about a passing man in a lawn chair at 11,000 feet. The man, the pilot said, had a gun in his lap. After being in the air for 14 hours, Larry was rescued when a helicopter hovered over him and dropped a rescue line. They used the line to tow him back to Earth. As soon as Larry hit the ground, he was arrested. As he was being led away in handcuffs, a television reporter yelled out, Mr. Walters, Mr. Walters, why did you do it? Larry Walters stopped. He looked at the reporter and said, A man can't just sit around and do nothing. Larry Walters was right. A man shouldn't sit around and do nothing. 
But today, many people sit around and that's what they do. They do nothing. You know, that's nothing new. People have been sitting around doing nothing for thousands of years. In fact, in fact, we find that Haggai the prophet had to deal with people who wanted to sit around and do nothing. I have a book coming out this fall titled The Twelve. It's about the twelve minor prophets. Haggai is one of the twelve. Haggai is what Bible scholars call a post-exilic prophet. He preached to the remnant, the small group, who came back from exile to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Some of the prophets preached to the people and told them that their sins would lead them into exile. Some of the prophets preached to the people while they were in exile. But Haggai lived in a time when the people of Israel had returned. The Jews had been in exile for 70 years. And this small group of people had returned home to Jerusalem on a mission from God. Their job was to rebuild the walls. They were to rebuild the city. They were to rebuild the temple. And most of all, they were to rebuild their relationship with God. Now, here at the beginning of the book of Haggai, 16 years have gone by since the remnant, that small group of people, had returned. 16 years. 16 years have gone by, and the walls are still a wreck. Sixteen years have gone by, and the city is still a mess. Sixteen years have gone by, and the temple is still in ruins. Sixteen years have gone by, and the people have done nothing. Now, the congregation that Haggai preached to was different than the congregation that Amos or Hosea or Joel preached to. These people were not idol worshipers. God broke them of their idol worship. For 70 years, the Jews were in Babylon with a bunch of idol worshipers. When they came back, never again did the children of Israel worship idols. God broke them from their idol worship. So they were the right people. They were believers. They believed in God. They were in the right place. God brought them back to Jerusalem for a reason. They came back to do the right thing, but they got lazy. The people in Haggai's time were members of what I like to call the do-nothing club. They loved the Lord. They knew what God could do in a lost and dying world, but they did nothing to contribute anything at all to the Lord's cause. They were members of the do-nothing club. Today, I would like you to notice two simple points about the do-nothing club. If you have your Bible handy and you'd like to follow along, I'll be in Haggai chapter 1. First of all, I'd like you to notice the do-nothing club had lame excuses. They had lame excuses for not rebuilding God's house. In Haggai 1-2, the Bible says, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. The children of Israel had the lame excuse of timing. The phrase, The time is not come, means the time is not right. They said the time is just not right. And people say the same thing today. I've heard many of those same excuses. We shouldn't start a new outreach. The timing's not right. I can't get baptized now. The timing's not right. I can't live for the Lord. The timing is not right. Well, you know, there's a Greek word for that attitude. There's a Greek word for the attitude that says the timing is not right. Baloney. 
baloney. I'm telling you, that's a bunch of baloney, a bunch of excuses. And if you'll pardon me for saying so, Mama always used to say, excuses are like backsides. Everyone has a different one, and they all stink. For 16 years, the people in Haggai's time refused to rebuild the temple because they said the timing was not right. Well, good grief, when is the timing going to be right? If we listen to people like that, we'll never do anything for the Lord. Do you want to do something for God, or do you want to do nothing? There may be someone listening to me right now, and you've never given your life to the Lord. Perhaps you think, I'll get around to it eventually. I'm going to do it someday. I'll get saved someday. Well, yesterday is gone, and there's no promise of tomorrow. And if you're going to give your life to Jesus Christ, you'd better get saved while you've still got the breath of today. There's an old legend that tells of a meeting of all of Satan's demons. The devil wanted to figure out a way how to capture more souls. One demon stood up and said, I'll go to earth and I'll tell the people that the Bible's just a fairy tale. Another demon said, I'll tell them there is no God, no Savior, no hell, no heaven. Then Satan, the devil himself, stood up and said, you won't be able to make all of them believe those things. So we'll go to earth and we'll tell them that there is no hurry to wait for a better time to accept Christ and to live for him. And that was the plan they came up with. And it's been working until this very day. Someone today may hear this broadcast and be almost persuaded to take a stand for Jesus Christ. But that person might put off their decision and say, no, not today, but tomorrow. The timing is not right. Well, the Bible says there's but a step between us and death, just a step. Any one of us could die at any moment. The Bible says life is like a vapor. It's like a puff of smoke. It's here, and then it's gone. You just never know when it will be your time. So if you've not accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, I wouldn't put it off. I wouldn't continue to do nothing. Well, the children of Israel had the lame excuse of timing, and they also had the lame excuse of time. They said they didn't have the time. I'm reading now from Haggai 1.4. There the Bible says, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? You see, the children of Israel didn't have enough time to build God's house, but they had time to build houses for themselves. And they built themselves nice houses. The word sealed means paneled. The Bible says they lived in paneled houses, specifically wood paneled houses. Now, why is that in the Bible? Why would God make that observation? Well, you don't have to turn there, but in the book of Ezra, these Israelites that went back to Jerusalem to build the temple are described. The Bible says in Ezra chapter 3 and verse 7, they also gave money to the masons and the carpenters and food, drink, and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre to bring cedar logs from Lebanon to the sea, to Joppa, according to the permission which they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. What happened to the cedar logs? Where's the wood? Where is the wood that they purchased to build the temple? When they got back to Jerusalem, instead of using the wood to build the temple, they used the wood to panel their own houses. And you may be sitting there thinking, wow, that's a shame. 
Well, is it any different today when Christians know that the Bible says they should give to the Lord, but they take what God gives them and they spend it on a house or a car or a boat or a new TV? Listen, there's nothing wrong with having a house or a car or a boat or things, but when you take from what belongs to God so that you can have those things, that's wrong. God should come first. Does the Lord come first in your life? Are you going to do something for God, or are you a member of the Do-Nothing Club? Well, let me move on. We've seen that the Do-Nothing Club had lame excuses. And now I want you to notice the Do-Nothing Club had lost priorities. Their lost priorities are pointed out in Haggai 1.5. There the Bible says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Haggai says the same thing again in verse 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. That means to think about what you're doing. Give thoughtful attention to your ways. In other words, God is asking, are your priorities straight? Is God first in your life? Let's be honest. If you're going to give something up out of your week to do something else, it's going to be your time with God. I mean, people go to work on Monday, headache or no headache. If they have something to do, they don't miss work, but they miss church on Sunday. They miss their daily prayer time. They miss reading the Bible because there are other things in the day that they feel are more important. The Bible speaks about having the right priorities. In Haggai 1.6, the Bible says, Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in a bag with holes. The Bible says that they eat, but they don't get full. The Bible says that they drink, but they stay thirsty. The Bible says they have clothes, but they're not warm. The Bible says they have money, but they have nothing at all to show for it. Why? It's because their priorities were all wrong. Are yours? Is God your number one priority, or are you a member of the Do-Nothing Club? One of the most extraordinary birthday parties ever held occurred a couple of years ago. This birthday party wasn't in a plush ballroom of a grand, majestic hotel. There were no famous celebrities at this particular birthday party. There wasn't anyone rich or powerful at this party. This birthday party was held at 3 in the morning, in a small all-night cafe in Honolulu, Hawaii. The birthday party was held for a prostitute. Most of the guests at the birthday party were themselves prostitutes. But the man who threw the birthday party was a Christian. In fact, he was a pastor, a pastor named Tony. The idea to throw this birthday party came to Pastor Tony very early one morning as he sat in the cafe. He was drinking coffee at the counter when a group of prostitutes walked in and sat down in the stools around him. One of the prostitutes was named Agnes. Agnes was upset because not only was it her birthday tomorrow, but she told the girls she'd never had a birthday party. As Pastor Tony said and listened, he thought it would be a great idea to surprise Agnes with a birthday party. He learned from the cafe owner, a man named Harry, that the girls came in every morning around 3.30. Pastor Tony asked Harry if 
they could use the cafe for a party. Harry agreed, and so they decorated the cafe for a birthday party. Word somehow got out on the street, and by 3.15 the next morning, the cafe was packed with prostitutes, the cafe owner, his wife, and Pastor Tony. When Agnes walked in, she saw the streamers, the balloons, Harry holding a birthday cake, and everyone screaming out, Happy birthday. Agnes was overwhelmed. Tears poured down her face as the crowd sang, Happy birthday. When Harry called on her to cut the cake, she paused. She said, In my entire life, I've never ever had a birthday cake. She had not one time ever had a birthday cake. So she asked if she could take it home to show her mom. When Agnes's party was over, everyone was quiet. Pastor Tony did what a Christian should do. He led Harry, Harry's wife, and a room full of prostitutes in a prayer for Agnes. That was a birthday party rarely seen in Honolulu, thrown by a pastor for a 39-year-old prostitute who had never had anyone go out of their way to do something like that and expect nothing in return. Harry, the cafe owner, found it hard to believe that there were Christians that would do that sort of thing. But if there were Christians like that, and Tony pastored a church full of people like that, that's the church that Harry wanted to join. And Harry, Harry's wife, Agnes, and several of the prostitutes that were in the cafe that night gave their life to the Lord. They got gloriously and miraculously saved. Lives were changed for all eternity because one man threw a birthday party for a prostitute. What about you? What will you do for God? Will you get rid of all those lame excuses? Will you get your priorities in the right order? Will you make God the top priority in your life? Do you want to do something for the Lord? Or do you want to continue to do nothing? Are you a member of the Do Nothing Club? Thank you, James. To get a copy of today's message by James Collins, call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit online, swrc.com. Have you heard about our new podcast? You can now listen to insightful interviews, current events from a biblical perspective, and prophecy that helps you make sense of the world around you. Subscribe today to both of our podcasts, Watchmen on the Wall, and our brand new podcast, In the Beacon's Light. You can get these podcasts on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, and TuneIn. Be sure and subscribe to our podcast today. Our online prophecy conference is underway. It started Friday, and it goes through this Saturday. Ten speakers with hours and hours of prophecy teaching. It's all online and on demand. Get your all-access pass and start watching today. Call 1-800-652-1144. 
1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit the conference page of our website, swrc.com. One of the speakers at our online prophecy conference is Greg Patton. Greg is an author, pastor, as well as a husband, father, and grandfather. He shares timeless truth and encouragement in a segment that we call Living in Today's World. I warn people about challenging the devil in any area. I mean, he can really get to you, my friend. When I got saved, I had all kinds of problems, and people consider our salvation experience almost miraculous. We have told our story around the world. We were honored to be able to go to Chicago, Illinois, to Pacific Garden Mission, and actually do our life story for a program called Unshackled unbelievable experience. I was actually able to play myself. They have actors that they, at that time, hired at $200 an hour to do these unshackled broadcasts. But since I had been a broadcaster, they invited us to come. They gave me the invite. Would you like to play yourself on this edition of Unshackled? I said, well, that'll be great. And they said, well, not only that, we're going to pay you $200 union wage to play yourself. What a deal. And that was quite an experience, my friend, to be able to go and play that role and to be on Unshackled and tell our story literally around the world. So we just thank God for the opportunity to tell our life story on Unshackled. But again, I got the feeling very good that I was able to stop drinking after having an alcohol problem. My father was an alcoholic. All those cigarettes, four packs a day, few people get that hooked on regular cigarettes as I did. But I love smoking. I was able to give that up. The swearing just went right out the window. Praise the Lord. And a new love manifested with my wife after all those years. It was fantastic. And at one point, I don't know what got into my mind that... I could not be defeated by the enemy now, very early in my walk, and it was so foolish. I told my wife, you know what? Cigarettes really don't bother me. I could go smoke one right now, and it wouldn't bother me. Took her out in the garage, took my mom's cigarettes off the table, went out, and for some stupid reason, lit that thing up. My goodness, I saw stars. It was really weird when you do that after your lungs have been cleared out. And it was really strange, but I said, wow, that, uh, <clears throat> that tasted pretty. I could do it again. And I lit up another one. Do you know what happened? I was right back at it. And now what am I going to do? Why would anybody do that? Don't we do dumb things sometimes? I love the Lord when I serve the Lord. And now, out of nowhere, came a challenge that I lost immediately. You cannot beat the enemy on your own. You better never try something like this. And then it got really bad. I wondered, can people smell me when I go to church? I remember leaving church one time and heading out on the country road, going to have a smoke before I went home, kids in the car, my wife. And I looked back and I thought one of the deacons was following me. And so I took off down a dirt road and there's all this dust flying everywhere. It looked like a fire there in the field. It was that bad. I thought, he's not going to get me. He's not going to catch me. Again, the dumb things that we do. And then I got sporadic in church, started to get paranoid about, again, smoking. 
And our church goes out calling every Thursday night, okay, and Saturdays. And so we're there finishing up supper. I'm uh, having a cigarette, and I hear a door slam. I look at the clock. It's shortly after 7, and it hit me. They're out calling, and they've come to our house. Man, I jumped up. I put that cigarette, threw it out the back door, grabbed the pine spray that Sharon had, and I'm running all through the house <laughs> with that evergreen spray. <laughs> and Ira Pope, bless his dear heart, the head of deacons and some new guy out visiting with him. And ours was the first stop from the church. We were only a minute away from the church, so I knew it. And so I hi, guys, how are you? And they just kind of stammered around there at the door. I said, I'm going to invite them in, my goodness. So in they came, and we talked about this and that, and they missed me in church, and I understood all of that. And, you know, you do what you do at that time. I was getting into a backslidden way, no question about it. It was interesting, though, when we got right with the Lord, got all that taken care of, and threw those things out once and for all. Boy, it's been decades now, praise the Lord. But it was interesting because I asked Ira one day, I said, I know you guys knew that I smoked. And I said, you used to come on those Thursday night visits. And he just kind of smiled. And I said, what? Uh, Your face is saying something straight. What? He said, it was always interesting, Greg, going to your house. And I said, in in what regards? And he said, when we would step through the door, it was kind of like we were in the middle of a forest fire. (laughs) He said, that combination of smoke and evergreen spray, it was really interesting. (laughs) So I, as you, my friend, are fooling absolutely no one. No, just give that thing to the Lord. He can deliver you. I don't care what problem you have. You give that to the Lord. You submit to God. You resist the enemy. God guarantees you he is going to flee. Oh, yeah. It's a fantastic way to live. There are thousands of stories living in today's world. This has been one. We have an exciting opportunity from our resource center today. The entire online prophecy conference that is going on right now through Saturday is now available on DVD. Ten speakers, hours and hours of sound prophecy insights and teaching that you don't want to miss. Perfect for Sunday school, homeschool, small groups, or your personal study. Listen to the lineup of speakers. Billy Crone, Rabbi Kurt Schneider, Dr. Larry Spargimino, Bill Federer, Bob Cornuke, Todd Friel, Dr. Kenneth Hill, Michael Smith, James Collins, and Greg Patton. Hours of prophecy teaching that you definitely want to have. It's all compiled for you in a set of DVDs for a gift of $50 or more. Get your DVD set of the Summer Prophecy Conference right now. Simply call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. And as always, remember, when you order materials like this DVD set, you're supporting Watchmen on the Wall, and you're helping us continue to proclaim that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Tomorrow, Greg Patton will be here, ready to begin a revival meeting. 
you definitely want to tune in. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.